Our scripture comes from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and the sixth through the twelfth verses. It reads as thus. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the same one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. I'll read that again. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that, watch this, the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. On this first Sunday of the Advent season, I want to speak on the topic of Christian hope. And I've chosen as a sermonic title, quite simply, our hidden treasure. Our hidden treasure. For many of us, we have a lot of things that we would like and a lot of things that we desire. We can agree on that. A lot of things that we would like and a lot of things that we desire. Many of us desire a new or a better job. Many of us desire a wife or a husband. Many of us desire a new home or perhaps even a new apartment. Some of us desire financial independence and freedom from debt. Some of us desire better or improved health, not just for ourselves, but maybe for our friends and even our loved ones. And some of us simply just desire a better life. Now, while all of these things are worthwhile to desire, we often confuse our desires for things that we would like, we confuse it with the hope for the things that we would like to see happen. There is a difference. I'll say that again. We often confuse our desires for the things that we would like with the hope for the things that we would like to see happen. But desire, no matter how strong it may be in our lives, is very, very different from hope. Mere expectation, no matter how confident it may be, is not hope. We tend to use the word hope, many of us, in very careless ways in our modern speech. But in the Bible, when it uses the word like words like hope, it uses and takes great care because it's communicating something to us that is simply a little bit more than just mere desire. You see, desires will get you in trouble. Desire got Eve in trouble when she was in the Garden of Eden. The Bible reminds us that when she saw the fruit, one to make one wise, she had desire. You see, desire will cause you to go astray. 
Desire will cause you to transgress the rules of law. Desire will cause you to interfere with God's plans for your life. But hope is something completely different. I can have hope that my tomorrow will be better than my today. I can have hope that despite how hard I may be trying, God is still able to change my life. I have hope. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, desires are different from hope. Now, all of life is really about having hope. If we didn't have any hope for anything at all, we would be left with nothing more than despair. Furthermore, to be a Christian means that you are a person of hope. Everything about Christianity. I don't care where you learned it, whether you Baptist, Baptist, AME, JME, whatever you are. Everything in the Christian faith is about hope. We have hope as Christians for healing. We have hope for the blessings of God. We have hope for salvation. We have hope for redemption. We have hope for reconciliation. We have hope for the resurrection. We have hope for all of these things. And of course, we have the ultimate of hope, which is the return of Jesus Christ and the consummation of all things. All of which I have just described is forward-looking to something greater than we are experiencing in our lives today. So you cannot call yourself a Christian and not be a person of hope. And apart from hope, every form of Christian doctrine, everything that the Bible teaches would be folly were it not for the foundational truths of the Word of God. We have the doctrine of the Trinity. That would be messy if it were not that we could acknowledge that God is a mystery. I can't tell you what it means to be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and still be one God. I can't explain that to you. But something deep down inside of me lets me know that God is whatever I need Him to be whenever I need Him to be that. Maybe I've got father issues. Maybe that's when I need God the Father. Maybe I need to feel like I belong to something greater than myself. Maybe that's when He is God the Father. But maybe I may not have some issues. Maybe I have issues with my self-esteem and I don't feel like I'm worth too much. Well, Jesus died for me which lets me know that the issue of my value was already settled at the cross. Maybe that's my issue. Maybe my issue is I don't feel like I'm good enough. Maybe my issue is I don't know how to get things done. Well, the Bible reminds me that the Holy Spirit is our comforter and He's our present help in time of need. He would lead us into all truth and He is our helper. So I don't know about you. I can't explain the Trinity but I know that I need the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to get me through my darkness in my life. So the point I'm making, without a clear and coherent understanding that the God of the Bible, Jehovah, Adonai, Elohim, Yahweh, is the source of all things 
the initiator of all things, the architect and the developer of all things, the chief cornerstone of all things. And then we have to understand that if this were not true, we are a people most to be pitied. For we would have been duped into believing something that is just not true. So whatever you think, as Christians, you must hold on to the fact that no matter what your life looks like, you are a person of hope. So what is this Christian hope, Pastor? Well, to help us understand that, we're going to take a look at our text. And there's three lights in this text that I want to highlight. The Bible says, for God who said. Now, if you look carefully, all of what I've talked about before required that we recognize who God is. The author, the architect, the creator, all of that. And so the text begins, for God. So, you fa so faith begins right there. Because if you don't acknowledge God as God, the rest of the text means absolutely nothing to you. So it says, for God. Who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Before we can understand the meaning of Christian hope, we need to first recognize that there are really two states of being in this world. What I mean is, there is such a thing as light, and there is such a thing as darkness. Now, while both states, light and darkness, exist in the world, here's what I want you to understand, church. Both can't exist in the same space at the same time. So there is light in the world, and there is darkness in the world, but while they are both real, they both can't exist in the same space at the same time. This is a natural as well as a spiritual phenomena. In fact, the Bible asks the rhetorical question in 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter and the 13th verse. Here is what it says, and you're familiar with it. What fellowship does light have with darkness? The answer is absolutely none. Both light and darkness cannot exist in the same space at the same time. And Paul uses this metaphor to even go as far to say righteousness and lawlessness cannot exist in the same space at the same time. You can't be a good person and a bad person at the exact same time. You can't be in the light and in the dark at the same time. So Paul says to us, God who spoke, who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one, the same one, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge. And that's the first light, the light of knowledge. This has tremendous implications for us brothers and sisters, especially if you've been in the church any period of time. You see, we come to church one way, and because we, have, we, we come to church one way, we live our lives outside an entirely different way. You're the same person, no matter where you go, here or there. 
it's still you. But, 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 Pastor, what are you trying to say? I said light and darkness cannot exist in the same space at the same time. So if that is true, if you light in here and you're dark out there, you have no reason to wonder why your lives are a mess. Here's what I mean. The Bible tells us God is light. Watch this. And in him, there is no darkness at all. That's the scripture. Why? Because light and darkness cannot exist in the same space at the same time. Here's what Paul, John also says. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So here's what I'm saying to you, my brothers and my sisters, and I hope that your spirits are being convicted. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same space at the same time. So if you walk in the light as he is in the light and in him there is no darkness at all, then you would have no darkness in you. And how you know this to be true is because if you cannot be with your brother and your sister in the harmony of light, then chances are you both might just be in the dark. Because light and dark has no fellowship with each other. So first and foremost, the Christian hope, as Paul tells us, is that God who has shone in our hearts is the one to give the light of the knowledge. The light of the knowledge. The second thing I will share with you is about the light of glory. This is different. Jesus proclaims in a word and in deed that the reign of God is at hand. When Jesus Christ came out of the water, the first thing Jesus said was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He teaches his disciples to pray and he says to his disciples, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So the Bible in its entirety is talking and pointing us to a future glory that we might not be able to see or grasp right now. Thy kingdom come come. And I told you before, hope is for something that you're looking forward to happening. Now, this might be a little difficult to understand, so let me read a passage from the late Eugene Peterson's Message Bible. Listen carefully, church, and I want your minds to be illuminated to God's truth. Here's what it says. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it is not only around us, it is also within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We are also feeling birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. <laughs> right? 
We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. Unless you got a sonogram. But the longer we wait, the larger we become. Right, Cece? And we, of course, it says, watch this. The longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. The metaphor that Paul uses with the pregnant mother is a picture. He's describing to us what every woman who's giving birth to a child understands. That despite the morning sickness, despite the swollen ankles, despite the constant hunger, despite the increase in weight, despite the nausea, despite the discomfort and the pain, it was bearable because there was an expectation and an anticipation of the joy to come. You, you see, you see, the longer the wait, the more healthier the child. We, we, we talk about children being premature, knowing that there is a risk associated. But the longer you suffer in the period of, 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 of in utero incubation, the more healthy the child. The more you suffer, the healthier your character. See, Paul wants us to understand that every single one of us as believers, we have within us this thing that's causing us to grow, but it's painful. We have this thing within us that is costing us something, some discomfort. We have this thing within us that is causing us to say, enough already. I can't take it anymore. But brothers and sisters, the more you fight against the natural process of the pregnancy, the more likely you are to cause it to miscarry. God has impregnated all of us with the power of his Holy Spirit. You have within you something that God wants to get through to the world. And the only way he can do it is through you. So God says, can you stay the course a little bit longer? Can you just bear these three trimesters a little bit longer? Can you just go the course? Because what awaits you is something that is not just for you, but it's going to bring joy to the world. It's going to bring something. That's going to be worth every tear. You're going to bring forth something that's going to be worth every heartache. David says it like this. It was good for me to have been afflicted. So, so this is the light of the glory. It is, it, is, it, is, it is to come. It is something that we can't put our finger on. And the thing that's causing us the pain, we can't see beyond. But we are hope. As Christians, let us stay a little while longer. Not give up when the going gets tough. Something that stays with us that says, keep on going. Somewhere in that process is where many of you are. And what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it may not look like it today, but believe me, the light of the glory awaits if you can trust God and stay with him. Turning to Eugene Peterson before I move on, he says this one more thing. He says, meanwhile, hear this clearly. The moment we get tired in the waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it does not matter. He does our praying in and for us 
That's what it says. Making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition, and he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Here's what I'm saying to you. You don't even know how to pray when you're going through what you're going through. You don't even know what to ask God for. You're confused. You're anxious. Things are a mess all over you. You have no clue. Sometimes the best prayer is, Lord God Almighty, enough is enough maybe that's your prayer and that's when the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and the Holy Spirit is saddles you up and the Holy Spirit says don't worry I got you I'll pray for you because I am your advocate and the Holy Spirit is working and listen if you don't believe me catch this you're down on your knees you're done you're broken you feel like giving up but the Spirit comes along and says, I don't know what you need to know, but let me tell you something. All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You see, that's what Paul wants us to understand, is that for God, who said light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So we have the light of the glory. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is there for the taking and for the using. Listen, if there's any part of the Godhead that we can take for granted, it's the Holy Spirit. Because it takes faith to call on the Holy Spirit. You can't say, come and help me, if you don't believe that it is. <laughs> I don't know what you're hearing, but the Bible says those who come to me must first believe that I am and that I'm a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. Working on your behalf. And there is, and where there is no faith in the glory to come, then there is no reason for you to do any work in the present. Finally, finally, the light of God. It's right there in the text. For God who said light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The glory of God. The light of God. 1 John 3, 19 tells us, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Church, listen to these words carefully. They're not mine. For whenever our hearts condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. I don't know if you heard that. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded. Whoever keeps his commandments abide in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. Now that's a lot of words. I began this message by stating that all of us here have desires. We may want to have peace in our lives. We want the things that are important to us to become reality. 
in the here and now, and this is worthwhile, and this is noble. But the problem that we face is that each of us, at the same time that we have these desires, recognize, hear me clearly, recognize our own shortcomings and our own failings. We know deep down inside our hearts that by all standards, we are not living very good and honest lives. You don't have to raise your hand, just wink. We are selfish. We are self-serving. We are self-reliant. We are self-absorbed. We are self-consumed. We are just plain conceited, and we know it. As a matter of fact, we may do a little good here and there, which allows us to feel good about ourselves for the moment, but every one of us in this room is guilty of self-condemnation, and as a result of it, we are miserable and we are scared. This is what John is speaking of, the Apostle John, when he says, our hearts condemns us. And this condemnation, this condemnation comes because we are afflicted in every way. We are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are struck down with every kind of pressure that comes with living this life. But in the midst of this suffering, Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despairing. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. And the reason why we are not crushed, not despairing, not forsaken, not destroyed, is simply because we have this treasure in this earthen vessel. This hidden treasure is the light of God, which is the knowledge of the power of God that we carry around daily as we go through the challenges of life. The hidden treasure is the light of God, which shines out of the darkness that Satan tried to use to destroy us. This hidden treasure is the light of God that manifests itself in our bodies so that when we are weak, we are made strong. When our paths are crooked, they are made straight. When we are poor, we are made rich. When we're in the dark, it gives us light. When we're in the desert, it becomes a river. When we have fallen, this light of God that we have in us, this hidden treasure, it lifts us up. This is the real hope of the Christian. This is the hope that I want you to understand, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now we hear these texts, we hear these scriptures, and we have a hard time believing it because we have fallen into our own self-condemnation. Brothers and sisters, stop beating up yourself. You are good enough. You are okay. If you were good enough, you wouldn't need God. If you were perfect, you wouldn't need God. But the fact that you're broken, the fact that you are falling apart, the fact that things aren't going well means that you are perfect, in the perfect position for God's strength to make perfect in your weakness. This is the real hope of the Christian. And so as I close, Paul uses the metaphor of the pregnancy. And I want to remind you 
that it's a wonderful thing when you see the birth of a child, the process. But I want to shift that analogy a little bit and say, <laughs> in the first trimester, he was betrayed, accused, spat upon, and ridiculed. That was the first trimester. In the second trimester, he was dehumanized, scourged, burdened with a cross, and flogged. Then in the third trimester, he was crowned with a crown of thorns. He was pierced in his hands. He was pierced in his feet, pierced in his side as he hung on the cross. And if there ever was a time when you are close to giving birth that you just want to ask for the epidural, it would be that moment, the third trimester. But at the end of the third trimester, which we now can call even the third day, it was time to deliver. And when it's time to deliver the child, there is not a force on earth that can stop that baby coming. Because when it says, I am ready, I am ready. Because not only is the baby ready, but mama ready too. It's time to get this out. I can't hold on to it. I got to let it go. I got to praise. I got to praise. I got to praise. And I got to get it out. I got to praise. <laughs> For on the third day, Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. And the Bible tells us he became the firstborn of all creation. And out came the Christ. So brothers and sisters, Jesus is our hidden treasure. Yes, this message has just been about our hidden treasure because he became our hidden treasure when he conquered the grave. He became our hidden treasure when he paid it all for our sins. He became our hidden treasure when he took what we deserved. He became our hidden treasure when he ascended into heaven. He became our hidden treasure when he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And he became our hidden treasure when he gave us all authority. So the Christian hope that every one of us have is grounded in the truth of God's word. That Jesus is who he says he is. And he is coming again. So you will rise out of the despair of your own ashes in your life. It may not feel that way today, but hold on to God's unchanging hands. For he is the same yesterday today and forever, and he offers the free gift to all who would just believe. Here is the one place that I want to leave you with. In this text, the piece that I love the most about this text is right here in the seventh verse. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Stop trying to fix your problems. Stop trying to solve your issues. The power is not you. The power is the greatness of God working in you. And you need to learn how to call it out. Call it out and watch God do great things. Amen? Amen? Amen. amen. And amen.